0: Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka, welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socio economic class division, and gender based violence. Joining us in studio today is Dr. Ross Phillips who is the Managing Director of Management Consulting Africa at Accenture, a firm with a global headcount in excess of 400,000 employees, serving clients in more than 120 countries across the globe. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so glad you could join us as part of our discussion with women in the corporate space. And to begin with, can you tell us more about the work
1: that you do at Accenture? You've already explained who Accenture is very eloquently. Thank you very much. Um, so, Accenture on the continent of Africa, Accenture being a multinational company, um, the purpose of Accenture globally is to improve the way that the world works and lives. And we do that through management consulting at the intersection of business and technology, providing our clients with services to improve that their access to funds, to improve their productivity and to improve what they provide to their stakeholders. So that's what we do globally. On the African continent, I like the purpose of Accenture, because as I said, it's about improving the way that the world works and lives. And it's okay to say that at a global world level, but for us as executives in The continent or on the continent in South Africa, we want to make the global relevance of Accenture, the global network, the global capability, the global access to funds, the global access to information relevant to South Africa, relevant to this continent, which is why I'm still with Accenture, because Accenture's purpose, improving the way the world works and lives, is my purpose, improving the way Africans live and work. And that's what we do. It's a great
0: mission statement and such a powerful vision that really resonates. And if you look at the
1: transformation that needs to happen in the continent, it's a strong statement to live by. Absolutely. But I think everybody has a place, right? I think government, civil society, corporates. Um, and that's why foreign direct investment in the way mm. that corporates like multinationals like Accenture is able to contribute is valuable. And I think I mean, we're talking uh, um, as women here today. And if we are, as women are in executive positions at multinationals, our job is to bring that global capability onto our continent. That's what we need to do. And it's having that presence.
0: I was with a former minister from the Netherlands, and in a conversation she was saying just the representation of female CEOs, multinationals in Holland is exceptionally low. Mm. So it's about making this change and making change which is visible in order to cascade to other companies to look at what is possible
1: and what women can achieve. Absolutely right and I think it's probably even more than that because it's not just about women, it's actually women from that country, women from that continent. So just saying that you have women in C.E.O. positions but those women are expatriates it's also not enough because you need to build the local fabric, you need to build the local capability because the women that are from this country really understand the needs of this country. They are are ingrained. They understand. They are accepted, um, and so I don't just want us to say that having women in leadership positions in a country is enough. Having women from that country in leadership positions—that's what we should aim for. And
0: on that note, you are cultivated within the Accenture space. You are a South African. Can you tell us what have been some of the highlights in your career and? Secondly, what milestones do you want to achieve next?
1: Mm. Big questions. Um, Well, to be honest with you, I didn't start life thinking that I would work at a multinational like Accenture. I qualified as a medical doctor um, in Cape Town and I spent a lot of time working with patients and when I spend time looking at patients in hospital beds I realized that in fact once you get a patient at the point where they are that ill, it's a little bit too late and that's sort of my philosophy of society. My philosophy of society is that we need to change society at the basic level individuals at a time but at a grassroots level because before it becomes a disease So after I did medicine, I did some research, and after I did some research at the Medical Research Council, solving big problems of public health nature, I went and joined Accenture. And why did I join Accenture? Once again, as I said, it improves the way the world works and lives, and it was a passport to access for me to other African countries, to cultures that I didn't know or understand before, to abilities to enhance what I can add to this African continent in terms of everything that I've learned so far, um, that I couldn't be wasn't able to do before that. And I've been very lucky. Um Accenture is a company that really takes human potential to the next level. Um and if I think about where I started life on the Cape Flats in um in Cape Town and where I am today and the influence I can now have and the ability that I can now have to improve other people's lives, knowing that even though I started from nothing, I have reached so far with the help of this organization. Yeah, it just gives me hope for what others Mm -hmm. are able to
0: achieve. But also in what you're doing, it's touching other people's lives across the continent. And I really liked what you said earlier, that it is almost being able to develop these preventative measures so that you don't go down the wrong route, that you go through the route of opportunity and potential.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm going to say this again, um, as I've said before, your potential has nothing to do with where you start in life. It's got everything to do with your perseverance, your drive and your vision for yourself. And if you have those things, nothing's impossible. In fact, impossible is nothing. And what's that saying where they say, Impossible, I'm possible. That's it. I live with that. Impossible, I'm possible. Really, if I think about where I started to where I am now, um, I'm a board member of Accenture on this continent. I lead the management consulting business, allowing me to spend time with senior C-suite executives at companies, helping them influence change in their company. I have a group of people that I work with talented individuals and my only job is to allow their lights to shine just imagine the influence that I have and I don't take it for granted no. thank you for reflecting and showing the progress in the journey of your life and what's possible
0: as a window into what other people can do now womanity, woman and unity is a gender program and it is all about gender equality which increasingly is a global focus And one of the areas that I'd like to touch on, which is sometimes controversial, is the issue of quotas in the workplace. They're not universally accepted. But when I've had this conversation with a number of South Africa's influential women, such as uh, Dr. Nkossasana, dlamini Zuma, and others who've participated in the show, they argue that it's sometimes a necessity to promote equality to be able to increase the ratio of women in decision-making roles, And I'd like to hear your perspective on this and other legislation in terms of being able to drive behavioral change.
1: Yeah. Programs don't drive behavioral change. People drive behavioral change. But the reality is it is a bit of a catch-22. Because until people have access to the stories of strong women, until people have the opportunity to show what they are capable of, how are we ever going to know who our role models are? And how are we ever going to see that I'm possible? So unfortunately, quotas are necessary because quotas force a level of target setting and compliance that allows women to be in the place where they have a voice. Now, of course, having a voice in itself is not enough if you don't also use that voice to lift others, because the glass ceiling, once you reach the other side, means that it is your job to pull others through that glass ceiling as well. So unfortunately, I think quotas are necessary. I do hope we get to a society where quotas aren't necessary, where we actually realize that diversity makes us Mm. smarter. Um, and that making us smarter grows our economy, grows our people, grows our GDP, a- as opposed to you have to make space for women because you have to, as opposed to having women in the workplace, is a good thing for business. It's good for business. It's good for society. It is good for government. And it's proven in numerous
0: reports, and I credit Swiss has a, I think it's an annual report that they produce Which really demonstrates the contribution That diversity makes To the bottom line of the business
1: Absolutely, and more reports like that need to be Released, to be honest with you, and I think More of that information needs to be Available to decision Makers, the C-suites that are making decisions around what their stakeholders and their shareholders need. Their stakeholders and their shareholders are asking them to make sure that they improve their revenue, that they are a sustainable business Mm -hmm. and a business that contributes meaningfully to society. To be able to do that, you have to answer how. And diversity is the how. You do become more productive. You do have better ideas. You do make sure that you are a top Top employer of the greatest talent because in a diverse workplace is where the young talent wants to work. You do enhance revenue and you are a leader in your business that grows exponentially. That's what Accenture does. Accenture has created an inclusive business environment so that diverse people can thrive. And we're talking about women, but diversity is not just about gender. It's diversity in where you come from, rural versus urban. It's diversity in age. It's diversity in viewpoints. It's um, lesbian, gay, all of those types of different lifestyles that people live. All of that diversity is what makes us not just stronger, makes us smarter.
0: But also look at it from a point of view, this is a desire from an organization. But ultimately, you are serving a consumer, a customer, and our organizations have got to be representative of the people that we're serving, which is why I think diversity is so incredibly important to cultivate in the workforce. Oh, no,
1: absolutely. That point I was making when we were talking about the, the Dutch scenario where it isn't about expatriate leadership. It's about local leadership, um, understanding the culture of yeah. that country, and feeling a strong affinity to making that change for your society. That is really what what we need when it when it comes to making sure that diversity in the in the workplace is real.
0: Finger on the pulse. <laughs> In the diversity framework, uh, 8th of March, Women Across the World celebrated International Women's Day under the theme Press for Progress, ultimately reflecting on the years that women have struggled and the progress that we've achieved. What role do you think events and social movements
1: like this play in terms of advancing gender equality? I'll give you a personal anecdote. The day I realized how bad it is, And I have to say, when you're a woman that is in a leadership position, you've arrived. You don't realize having arrived. You don't always reflect on how difficult that journey might have been for you. And you don't reflect how you might be the only one there. And so the personal anecdote is about five years ago, three or five years ago, somebody stood up and said, we will reach gender equality where men and women are equal 50-50 in the workplace, equal pay in about 100 years. And I thought, my word.
0: Before you go on, there was a report on 2017 from World Economic Forum, and they've quoted now the latest in terms of reaching gender equality is 217 years. So it's doubled, but it's please continue. Worse.
1: It's getting worse. Um, when I and, and I, I suppose maybe in the survey that you looked at is um, is probably more global. Mine was very corporate in the way that I was looking at it, um, in a hundred years, and and that was three years ago, in a society where we're not really requiring hard labour, where you can argue that the strength of your muscle, um, your deltoids, is what's going to keep you productive in the workplace and that was extremely sad but I also realized at that point in time that it's one thing for me to complain about it I actually have to be action oriented and action orientation requires a couple of things first and foremost it requires bold leadership secondly it requires a workplace culture that really embraces inclusion and diversity because as I say people is what changes behavior, not programs. And then there needs to be actions. Now, I would never have said that. I would never have known that. I would never have been a very, very active vociferous advocate, and I would go as far as saying advocate, for women in the workplace and changing the workplace if I did not hear that statistic. And I would only have heard that statistic through social media, through events, um, through programs that are highlighting the issues that we are facing and the requirement for each and every one of us to play our part. So they play a
0: role in
1: every walk of life. It's not just whether you're
0: at a a leadership level, but it's throughout. It's, It's information. Now, having experienced that three years ago and having a figure of 100 years t- to reach parity... I wouldn't be alive. No. What do you think we're going to look like with some of these interventions that you've implemented and hopefully other women in leadership have, em- to, uh, have implemented from a South African perspective in, in 10 to 20 years? How do you think we're going to look?
1: So you start with yourself. And as I said, my sphere of influence is the leadership position that I have at Accenture and having the ability to bring a global multinational to bear in South Africa. And I take that extremely seriously. It's the might of Accenture that I am going to bring to bear on this particular problem and this challenge. Um, We have, as Accenture said, we're going to get to equal by 2025. 50% men, 50% women. I have every intention across 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 the world, world. every level of our organization. Now, that is for the entire world. You talked about 120 countries. That's for everybody. It is our intention here in South Africa to make sure that in South Africa that happens even faster. And in fact, we've made fantastic progress. We're almost getting there. We're not necessarily getting it at all levels, but at least at the grassroots level, we're getting the young ladies in. If we look after them, we can get them to the level where they are going to be in leadership positions if we can just keep them, retaining them is, is an important thing. So, so, so I think that we will get there. What I would like to see is I would like to see, and it's possible because the research says that it is possible if we do these things like bold leadership, action orientation with targets within the workplace, and a workplace that's inclusive and diverse. I want us to see that for every 100 male managers that there are, that there are 86 women. And I say that because you did say 217 years, 100 years. We still have a long way to go. You're not going to get there very fast. Let's also not set our women up for failure. Currently, that is 46 women in managerial positions versus men. So getting to 86 versus 46, that's already quite a quite a move. I'd like to see women's pay, pay increase by about 122% because through these programs that we are talking about that we are certainly implementing in Accenture, that is possible. Um, And if you can imagine, if we can get women's salaries to increase by 122%, they could earn $87 versus $100 that men are earning. So you're closing the pay gap. And imagine what that does for society because you can now increase the participation of women in terms of their economic contribution mm-hmm. and that is a force to be reckoned with
0: and it's such an important point i can't tell you how many conversations i've had with ladies who have made it and one of the biggest points they said was when we started out we didn't negotiate hard enough we were almost grateful that we had a position and the fact is that when you go in on a low negotiation, that it holds you back for the rest of your
1: life because it's almost being negatively compounded. Whereas and that's why the statement, press for progress. We have to press for progress. It will not happen Naturally, it will take 100 years, it will take 217 years if we think that we should be grateful for the positions that we play. In fact, the researchers said, right, diversity does make our society stronger. Uh, 50% of society are women. They have to be active contributors to, to the workplace. It's not a nice to have, it's an imperative.
0: I like that. It's an imperative.
1: Staying on the theme of statistics, in
0: corporate SA, senior level, according to Business Women's Association of South Africa, they do an annual census, but I haven't seen one recently. The last set of data I had was for 2015 for JSE listed companies, where they said that women accounted for 29% of executive managers, 21% of directors, 9% of chairpersons, and only 2% of CEOs. Now, we've just said that women account for more than 50% of the population. They're significantly underrepresented in leadership and managerial roles. In the public sector, I think we do really well. We've got uh, approximately 42% representation of of women in government. How do you think we can almost mirror the effects that are happening in government or, or public sector and bring that into the private space? to start increasing
1: the flow of women into leadership roles leadership I I can't I almost can't explain it more than that taking as an executive team in your corporate environment a an accountability and a responsibility for change recognizing that that change will bring you business results I think people are so fixated on a foot-in today, which is about how can I be as efficient and e- as effective as I possibly can, reaching the requirements of my shareholder, not my stakeholder, my shareholder, which is a very short term and a very financial view. And it's the looking world. at one stakeholder. Precisely. The shareholder is one stakeholder. That's why I use the word shareholder deliberately versus stakeholder. If you have a foot into tomorrow, which is having a much longer term yeah. view, you recognize that you cannot be representative of the demographic. You cannot understand your demographic. You cannot be accepted in your in your demographic if you do not represent your demographic and your demographic in this country, on this continent, in the world is 50% men, 50% women. So it is leadership. Leadership, um, it's culture. It's the culture of that organization, the culture of equality. That's important. And then, unfortunately, the programs. And let's make investment in these programs. It's so difficult when you hear women having cake sales to pay for the women's forum events that they have. no. The company should invest actively because it is driving their value of being an inclusive society. So, so, so that has to, be, has to be done. You have to be able to have workplace programs where you as the leader invest. And then you have to actually make the change. You have to appoint women in leadership positions. You have to sponsor women so that they get to the next level. You have to invest in training programs that helps high-performing women achieve. You have to create environments where women are able to be mothers and professionals. We live in a society where the support structure for women is available. Creches are available. Uber is available. The ability to work from home, given the mobile technologies that we have available, is there. You don't have to travel the way you used to do before. You can use Skype technologies and just set a laptop and with your child on your arm hopefully quiet child, you can conduct a meeting. (laughs) Press the mute key. Press the mute key. I I do that. There are days that I work from home. I don't even get out of my pajamas. I, I need that one day a week, and my company allows me to do that. Doing that does not make me less productive. That actually allows me to be more productive because I am allowing myself to manage my environment uh, through my support structure. Those are the things that companies need to do. And for me, that means showing up differently, not just speaking about diversity, not just speaking about gender equality, but showing up differently.
0: Very, very powerful. Thank you for sharing the personal anecdotes as well, but also the the elements of it's not just lip service, but it is about driving tangible change and tangible difference into the organization and walking what we preach.
1: I see what women are able to do when they are given the flexibility to be their best self. And that's what we need to do. We need to allow people to be authentically their best self and when they are authentically their best self they thrive and the organization thrives and the people under them thrive. It is possible, I've seen it.
0: Authenticity.
1: Today we're talking to Dr. Ross Phillips who
0: is the Managing Director of Management Consulting Africa at Accenture. You are listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-metre band, also available on DSTV channel 802. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at WomanityTalk. In my interviews, throughout the different programs that we've done, there's one issue that keeps recurring, and it's the critical problem of inherent sexism, and it's mirrored across many sectors of society. In your opinion, how should this discrimination be corrected?
1: It's a bit of a loaded question, and I'm going to answer it quite simply. I am not worried about sexism. What I am worried about is patriarchy in in, in South Africa. Because patriarchy is actually institutionalized sexism. It is the culture of patriarchy that drives institutionalized sexism in our society. Because that is what makes women believe that their traditional roles are the roles that take primacy. And that looking after themselves first is not important. But looking after yourself first is the most important thing. Because how can you help others? if you haven't been able to help yourself. And so that is my answer. My answer is our challenge. And quite frankly, we saw that with the political debates that we've recently had around what is the presence of women in the ANC, um, leadership positions, right? Um, And those questions come because there's a societal pressure that is starting to be exerted upon our culture's In this country. So that is my challenge. We've got to recognize that that sexism might be a family thing, but uh, institutionalized sexism, which is patriarchy, that's a societal thing. And that's going to take quite a lot from us in this country to try and eradicate.
0: And that's a bigger problem coming from... Both camps, and I look at this both camps. I'm looking at it from a, a male point of view as well as from a female point of view, because so, when you have grown up in a in a culture that that's what you know,
1: that's what you're almost wanting to perpetuate, as opposed to trying to transform and change. In fact, I want to make this point because I know that there probably men, I'm hoping they are men listening to this program, and they're thinking, oh, oh this is a women's take over um, discussion. But in fact, what we're beginning to see in Accenture is the appreciation that men have for the challenges of women. It's almost what we call those unconscious biases that you've just referred to, the biases that come from growing up in a patriarchal society where you have a specific traditional view of a woman's role. When you get exposed in the workplace of the benefits And the contribution of women, you change who you are as a man. And that's what our men have said in our business. They have said, I see and I understand a little bit better. And I am more conscious to my unconscious biases. Only then will we change our behavior. Because we can argue for centuries, I didn't know.
0: And if that was your your true north, how are you to be considered wrong? That was what you grew up believing.
1: If there's any C-suite executives, I would recommend highly. There are courses that can be done for your entire workforce, men and women, and it's better to do it together, men and women together, on the topic of unconscious Mm. bias. It's an Mm. eye-opener.
0: You are an executive sponsor of a program, well, actually a charity, called Born to Succeed, which helps young women prepare themselves for the workforce and find employment. Please, can you tell us more about it? How did
1: it start? What does it do? So firstly, as I told you, that wake up moment about the hundred years um, and I realized that we all have to do something differently. That was my wake up moment. And I was looking for an opportunity to contribute to a much broader, not the hospital bed, a much broader influence and impact in society. And one of the young women in Accenture came to me and said, my New Year's resolution is that I would like to start a, a charity that helps women find employment Um, and meaning that the helping women find employment is about making sure that they understand how you write a CV, making sure that they can practice how to interview, making sure that they know how to present themselves, making sure that they can manage their finances, basic things that you think everybody knows. But if a woman comes from a rural environment, she doesn't even know that. So the program is about education the program is about mentorship and the program is about putting the, putting the name of Accenture against a program that says the women that graduate from this program, companies out there, please employ them. And giving them the opportunity to at least sit in an interview chair. And many of the women that sit in the interview chair after they've gone through this program are successful. And we are talking about clerical jobs or Simple job, but something that starts you off. And, and it's amazing. Political emancipation is one thing, but it's nothing without economic emancipation. And when you provide economic emancipation, I cannot explain to you what a fantastic feeling that is. Because now you have started to create the Ubuntu that we're talking about leaving no one behind. One person can help more more people. So that's what we did. We started, um, started that charity a few years ago, um, and we take women in, and basically they apply. Uh, they've, they've, they, they haven't been able to find any employment. It's free. The women of uh, Accenture give off their time to provide mentorship, Um, We combine that with some other charitable organizations that do the same thing, are invested in empowerment of women. And the program has just grown from strength to strength. And the confidence that you see of a young woman walking in from day one to day hundred when they leave that program, just that confidence is priceless. You almost wanted to before and after clip. Absolutely. I don't care how much money they make. I care about that they walk out of there with their head held high, their spine stiff and ready and tenacious to take on absolutely anything that life can, throws, can throw at them. Priceless.
0: And how do people participate? Is there like a, a call to entry in order to come on board?
1: Yes, there's a, there's a call to entry. Generally, it, there's a lot of um, word of mouth. The Ladies that have gone through the program previously they either become volunteers or they volunteer other people but uh, and as with any program, it starts small um, and then the goodness of the program is determined by the people that it uh, it influences and it impacts and The more young ladies we impact, the more young ladies we impact. the bigger the program program gets. Um, It's been a phenomenal experience. I take my hat off to Sandiso, who started this. Um, She had the idea Accenture had the capability and the resources, and the women of Accenture had the resolve and the interest to to impact the lives of other women in a positive way, and we had the ability to channel all that positive energy towards the goodness. I think it's a great example of human network effects. Absolutely. And that's why I was talking about action is important. There's so much that we as corporates can do. It doesn't have to always be money. Sometimes it's just about harnessing what you have in the people. There's so many people that want to do so much for others that would like to contribute of their time. But they don't have a vehicle through which they can do that. As corporates, we can provide those vehicles. Born to Succeed, for example, is a vehicle. It's a vehicle through which we use the resources of Accenture, the capability of its people, the advantages that our people have gained through the organization for the benefit of others. Um, And mostly the purpose of our people, the purpose of our organization is to improve the way that the world lives and works, which means that we attract people who have Hmm. that purpose. So we have to provide them the opportunities to live out that purpose. Born to succeed is an opportunity to live out that purpose, impacting others' lives positively.
0: It certainly is, and I hope that it goes from strength to strength. Thank you. It's a wonderful program. We are unfortunately running out of time, so now I'd love to go into some of the more personal Aspects. One of the questions that I ask all my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements in their respective fields, and earlier you mapped out your journey from going from Cape Flats to global business, which I think is an incredible success story. Can you please share with us some of the factors that you consider have contributed to your success?
1: This is the message I want people to have from me, who I am and my legacy and what's important for me. Um, The two most influential people in my life has been my father. um, And my father, because he couldn't give me money, I didn't have a silver spoon, his will had nothing in it but debt. But what he gave me was the appreciation and the opportunity to have an education. Because that education that I received, I've got a medical degree, I've got a master's in business administration, and I've got a diploma in future studies. Um, I have had the ability to study. Now, my father could have taken me out of school to go and work to contribute economically to the family because somebody has to put bread on the table. He didn't. I was his eldest child. He said, no, your education is going to be your ticket out of poverty. Because education is the leveler of society. It creates equality. It makes you exactly the same as anybody else. And no one can ever take education away from you. They can take money away from you. They can take pride away from you. They can take your brand away from you. They cannot take your education away from you. So that's the first person that I am very, very grateful for for allowing me the benefit of education to take me out of poverty. The second person is my grandmother. And my grandmother, because she loved me unconditionally. And unconditional love is an extremely rare thing. It is a love that has got nothing to do with the color of your skin, with the disability you have, whether you are a man or a woman, it is just unconditional. Um, and I learned the importance of unconditional love because the, the importance of unconditional love is that it creates tolerance and it creates opportunity that, that you might not necessarily have. So having had that guidance and that, Value system installed in me. That's why I have to give back through things like Born to Succeed. So those are those are some of the influences of my life. Um, and if it hadn't been for that, I might not have seen the silver lining in everything that I see. I will go even as far. And I grew up in apartheid. I was a teenager during the time of apartheid. I thought, oh, double whammy: woman, black, poor. Living in apartheid society, how can it even get worse? And I'm grateful that I lived through that time because I realized that my disadvantages are in my head. I can rise above all of those things, and I did. So there are very little that can take can get me down nowadays because I, I always believe there's a silver lining. I always believe the glass is half full, the glass is not half empty. I always believe that I will, I will endure.
0: Fantastic set of belief systems, wonderful values that you grew up with, great wisdom of your dad, really strong of him in terms of coming from the era that he grew up in, the environment that he grew up in, and to have the nurturing of your grandmother to open those, those doors. Can you tell us some of the pivotal moments growing up in your life?
1: what would some of them be? I think for me, and I'm not going to talk about milestones of awards that I have won or um, new jobs or new roles that I have achieved, because those things are important, but they are not ultimately what our legacy is going to be. Right? I, I don't believe that. I think that... Um, The pivotal moments in my life are the moments where I had choices and I made the right choices. They might not have been the popular choices, um, but they were the right choices. And sometimes those choices were to take on a challenge where I am the only one. I'll give you an example. I was the first woman in Accenture in Africa traveling to Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Accenture had a problem with that initially, and we're talking about 12 years ago, because they said, you're a woman, you can't travel alone. But at least they had the foresight to give me the opportunity to say yes or no. And I was scared. Because it was a big challenge. I'm putting my career on the line to travel into countries I have never been to, to deliver value for my clients that I might not be able to deliver so far away from home, to put my husband in a situation where we are now separated. um, And and those are sacrifices you made. But in having made those sacrifices, I am able to sit here today, having learned things I would not have learned if I stayed in an office in Santon. So those are the pivotal moments. I'm not giving you specific examples, but I'm saying it this way because there are going to be moments when you are challenged and you are scared and you think the easiest thing to do is to swim with the stream. But I have realized that the only way you set yourself apart is when you swim against the stream.
0: And stretching yourself. Absolutely. And those types of, of challenges are the ones which open up new doors, new windows of yeah, possibility. Yeah.
1: So there are lots of awards I can talk about and scholarships and meeting fantastic people and being on global stages. But ultimately, it's the personal reflection of who I am as a person, never taking anything for granted, Having that grounding of simplicity and knowing that you can take everything or anything away from me, but I have my education, I have my resolve, I will start again and I'll be fine. Uh, That's when you defy your gravity. My gravity is fear, and I defy fear every day. Every time I'm scared, I say it's good to be scared, because if I'm not scared, I'm not stretching. If I'm not scared, I'm not growing. Change is how you grow.
0: You have shared some fantastic pools of of wisdom and lived experience today. Lastly, as we close out the show today, can I ask you to share a few words of wisdom or inspiration that you'd like to impart to young ladies that are are listening to us on
1: the continent? I'm going to say three things. Firstly, defy your gravity. Whatever your gravity is, my gravity is fear. To defy my gravity and reach for the stars, I always have to overcome this fear that I have, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of embarrassment, fear of humiliation. Got to internalize those fears and put yourself out there because once you overcome those fears, once you realize that anything is possible. So that's the first thing. The second thing is be your own spokesperson, authentically you. There are opportunities that are fantastic, but they're not you. Be true to yourself. Because when you love your own passionate, purposeful life, you will be the best at what you do. There's only one of you. Everybody else is taken. So you might as well love your best self. So be true to yourself. Be your own spokesperson. Don't let others decide for you what is right. It's your choice. You love that choice. I'm going to say two more things. The, The other thing, fail forward. It's good to experiment. Men experiment. Women think they fail. Why is that? That men think that failure is experimentation and women think failure is disaster. Failing is how you learn. At some point, you are going to succeed. 999 times the light bulb was not invented until Edison found that one time. And what did he say? I only needed the one time for the light bulb to work. And I, I've got myself a, a breakthrough idea. So fail, but fail forward. And I'm, so when I say fail forward, is learn from it and teach others. So that's the, that's the third one. Um, you can't do it alone is the last one. Have a support structure. I outsource everything that doesn't matter. I don't wash dishes. It doesn't matter. I surround myself with people who matter and I do things that matter. That's how I manage my time. I don't manage my time. I manage my energy. I manage my energy on what I believe are the right things that I have to be involved in. Relationship with my husband is important. I have to be involved in it. The uh, advancement of my people in my business, I have to be involved in it. The strategy and the engagement with my clients, I have to be involved in it. But I do not have to be involved in laundry or dishes or banking. Um, I have people that are much better that, that can do that. And lastly, have a board of directors. And a board of directors is a network of women that you surround yourself with. And it can be men as well. But people that are mentors, that are sponsors, that will be constructive with you, um, that will tell you th- the difficult things that you might not want a year, but you know it comes from a good place. Like my grandmother, unconditional love, she said horrible things to me sometimes about what I should be doing differently, but it was constructive. It was meant in a, in a good way. And it's the same people that when you do fail, when you do fall, they are your safety net. When you have those elements, you don't just go fast, you go far. I think those are
0: wonderful ingredients and i really really hope that people take heed of what you've said you've shared your experiences today and a lot of those ingredients that you released at the end have all been contributing factors to make you the person you are today and values that that you live by so thank you so much for joining us and for sharing them
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity and I do wish for every single woman that does hear me that she understands that her potential is within herself and it is her responsibility with the help of other women to unleash uh, that potential for the benefit of herself and others. Thanks again. Thank you. You have been listening to Humanity, Woman
0: in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Dr. Ros Phillips, who is the Managing Director of Management Consulting Africa at Accenture.